Did you miss the headline and the top story of the day? Extra, extra, we don't don't worry, because we got you covered. This is how we do. It's the Cattles and Rami. Top spot. Final hour of the show, and it feels good. Thank you for being with us. As always, we love you for uh, being along this uh, this ride. All right, the top spot, finals. The NBA game at number three. Last night, big-time response, Rami, from Denver. Uh, Obviously, Miami did their job in Denver, took one out of the two. And what you got to do if you're the Nuggets is come right back in Game 3 and take home court advantage back, and that's precisely what they did. Mike check. check. Do you think it's a a tactic, or do you think... That there's really in that there can really be inconsistent effort when we get to the NBA Finals because Michael Malone, he called out his team's effort and focus yeah. in Game Two, and then after Game Three, Jimmy Butler came out and essentially did the same thing, saying we can't come out and play like that, and it can't happen again. We got to have better energy. Is this just? Are these guys just trying to squeeze a little bit more juice out of the Mike lemon? Check. Or how do we get to the finals and teams still aren't you know? ready for game night, so to speak. It it was, Miami was on, no pun intended, on fire. Like you had DJ Khaled in the house. The place was on fire. And then they just come out and fizzle, just fizzle right out. And that was the same thing that happened to Denver in game two. I can't, I can't wrap my head around that, Nick. Inconsistent effort or energy in the NBA finals, of all things, on your home court. And it's happened to both these teams now. And we're only three games into this series. You know, it's it's a, a good question because we've seen it at all levels of yes. this postseason, yes. right? Like the Celtics game three in Miami was an embarrassment. I mean, they just laid over and died in that game, which was just awful. Um, so it, it is an interesting question. Look, I, yes, there was some effort and some energy questions last night, but I, I really feel like we just saw the better team playing at a higher level and there's no doubt they had a little bit more urgency than than the Heat did for whatever reason, which is surprising because you never anticipate that from Miami. The, like the one thing you you almost feel like you know you're going to see from the Heat is urgency and energy and effort. They might not make shots like they didn't last night, but you'll see that effort for like 48 minutes. I just think you know the better team came in more confident. And they were more aggressive. And I just feel like it was almost like a fight where the Nuggets punched first and the Heat kind of stumbled back. And by the time they tried to adjust, it was too late and the air was out of the building and they said, yeah, this ain't going to work. And while I've said you don't count out the Heat, and I'm still saying don't count out the Heat in this series. They've, they've made you look stupid counting them out in three previous series. And I'm talking that that applies to most of the people within the sound of my voice. Heck, that applies to me in terms of counting out the heat and then making a fool out of you. But the the talent deficit is real, Nick. And I, yeah. I don't think that's disrespectful no, to say that. This not at De- all. This Denver team is, is a better team. Miami has to win on the margins, and Miami has to shoot at, as you've described, historic levels yeah. to win games and stay in this series. And not only 31%, 11 of 35 from three-point three land yesterday, but while Denver was 20 of 29 in the restricted area, 69%, Miami was 8 for 23 
around the basket. 34.8%. Denver's almost doubled their points in the paint, 60 to 34, and had a 25 rebound advantage, 58 to 33. They will not win a game in this series. They won't win most of the games they play, regardless of opponent, if those are the numbers that we're looking at in a box score when all is said and done. 100% agree. Uh, Christian. I always want to call him Braun, especially last night after JVG spelled said Braun. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Christian Brown, uh, he really showed out. He won the the others he battle last good. night. Yeah, his fourth quarter was just tremendous. That dude was a force. Yeah, Brown. There we go. Yeah, Brown. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, he was he was a force last night, especially in that fourth quarter. I mean, he he had all the uh, Duncan Robinson vibes in the fourth quarter. From game two, when Duncan went on that 10-0 like individual run, Brown was the most important nugget in the first couple minutes of that fourth quarter. He was great, 15-4, shot 7-8 of eight from the field. And what I loved about Brown is that, that he attacked the zone. And the Nuggets did that for the most part last night. The entire team attacked the zone. They were, they were attacking the driving lanes that were open because of that zone. And I, I thought Brown attacked. Even when they were not in zone, but he was he was cutting off the basketball tremendously. All you know, most of his buckets were just off of cuts and finishing at the rim. I, I thought he was he was great. You want to talk about energy? I thought uh, he brought tremendous energy for the Nuggets. And when you talk energy, Rami, you can also talk about pace. And uh, I saw this from Stool Greeny from Barstool, Dan Greenberg. He tweeted out the Nuggets were able to get the pace back up in game 3. Made a pretty noticeable difference. So in game 1 the pace was a 93.0, 94.0 in the fourth quarter, obviously that was a win. Game 2, the pace of the game dropped to 86 and a half and get this the pace in the fourth quarter of game 2 was 78. That is a pace, snail's pace. Pace, pace, yeah. pace. Tell him Mike. Pace, pace. Coach Brown. <laughs> Uh, 78 for the pace in the fourth quarter in Oof. game two. That is just, ugh. That's pace, a, pace. That's a fist fight in a phone booth. And then last night, game three, 92 and a half was the pace. 92 was the pace in the fourth quarter. So when you look at game one and game three, pace-wise, 90, 92 to 94-ish is, you know, Denver pretty much wins. They if you drop the action. Yeah, if you drop below 90, especially if you get into the mid-80s for the game and below 80 in the fourth quarter, Miami's going to feel great about their chances. That means they're, and you hear coaches say that all the time, making you play their style rather than playing your yep. own style. Yep. And, they, again, they're not going to win those types of games. They're just pace, not. Pace. They, they need a very specific formula to win games, Nick. When and th- and that's usually the case with an underdog. You know what I mean? Yeah. With with when you're talking about the favorite and the better team, the more talented team, there's probably a number of different ways that they could win the series or, or win a game. With the Miami Heat, there is a very very specific recipe that that's required for them to win games and to win this series. And last night. Every it was everything that that recipe was not. They just and they didn't. That's why they didn't have a chance to win that game. Basically from tip, you know what I mean? Yeah. There were there were ebbs and flows and and my and some little mini comebacks from Miami, but that was never really in question no. or in doubt yesterday no. at all. So uh, part of that pace conversation is the zone because Miami deploys the zone usually in the fourth quarter to slow the game down to force offenses to you know have trouble getting shots off quickly and efficiently. And Jason Timp from The Volume tweeted out, Denver's defense was their best offense against Miami's zone. 
They got stops on 10 of their first 13 possessions, which prevented Miami from setting up their zone because they only set up that zone after they make a shot. After those 13 possessions, Denver was up 18. The game was over. And, you know, you mentioned this about the Heat playing their game. Yeah, man, like they have less talent and they have to win their way. They've got to outgrind you. They've got to outwork you. They've got to outshoot you from three. They have to be able to play that zone consistently and stretches to, to slow the other team down. And when they when they can't do those things, they're going to have trouble because they're the less talented team. Meanwhile, we could just really boil this thing down to Jokic and Murray. Combined last Amazing. night, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray combined last night, 66 points, 31 rebounds, 20 dimes. The counting stats are great. And two triple doubles. Don't leave that out of the counting stats. They both had triple doubles. The shooting was even better. Yeah, it's the effectiveness for me. They shot a combined 24 of 43, which is almost 56% from the floor. They shot four of eight from three, which obviously my advanced mathematical skills tells me that's 50%. And here's the other thing about Jokic and, and Murray that I'm not sure that people are truly appreciating today. They played a ton of minutes. Michael Malone said, yeah, my two guys. 44 and 45 minutes. My two guys are going to lead this huge game three. That's what you do in the finals too, man. Yep. That's exactly what you do in the finals. You don't leave any gas in the tank. You don't leave any bullets in the gun. Leave it all out there on the court. What other cliches can I use? I was waiting to see how many you can come up across. Can I give you one more uh, quick weird stat? That's more sure. th- more just about the NBA Finals before we go to a break. But no, it pertains. Nobody loves a quick weird stat like I it do. It pertains to this series. Since 2013, that's when the NBA switched to the 2-2-1-1-1 format for the NBA Finals. Yes. Since then, teams that lose game one or two on their home court are undefeated in this in those series that they've played. All five have gone on to win the championship. That was the Warriors last year, the Raptors in 19, Warriors in 15, Spurs in 14, and the Heat in 13. In that same span, Nick Cattles, teams that won the first two games, that held home court advantage through the first two games, are only three and two, and one of those three is the Los Angeles Lakers Makes in the no bubble sense. where there was no home court advantage. So basically, teams are 500 when holding home court advantage through the first two games since the finals went to the 2-2-1-1-1 format. Makes zero sense whatsoever. That was weird. It's a weird stat. Isn't that strange? Small sample size. Small sample size, sure, but still, it's very strange. It's odd, yeah. All right, coming up in 90 seconds, we'll have some fun with NBA Free Agency. Time during the afternoon drive. Cattles and Robbie. Sacktown Sports. All right, so I thought there would be one segment that I had no idea what to expect when we had Simone take over the show. We're good, we're fine. Vanderpump rules. Uh, That's on me. Until we reached 515 today. The communication there was on me. Lack of communication was on me. Then it's clear. But I got this. Then it's clear to me. We are are good to go. That uh, we're in trouble. No, we're not. We're not in any trouble at all. So let me just bring this back. Let, let's let's open up the curtain a little bit so okay. people can take a peek. Yes. We have a call every morning uh-huh. for the show. 
We're gonna have to do and we, this. We line up what we're gonna do. You're gonna make me look bad. And uh, no need for this. And how we're going to slot each thing. Do I ever make you look bad? Every day. So we had the show meeting this morning. Shout out to Kyle, who still is the only one that uses his camera during these meetings. Uh, which I don't understand. I thought we were doing it so we could use cameras. I thought that's why we were having video. Well, meetings. you could have put the camera on today and helped but, support Kyle, but you didn't. But I got Want on. People to see my beautiful face. Nobody, nobody had their camera on. When, that's been the precedent that's set. I was literally the only person there when you showed up, <laughs> and my camera no, was no, on. No, I mean since we started doing this, since we started doing the video meetings. So we have this call, and uh, Rami. Rami presents a segment idea, yes, which is John Hollinger's free agency list and projection, top, top twenty five free agents, yes. And Rami said, "Well, let's let's look at these guys. Let's look at five. At first, Rami said, let's, let's look at ten, which this is usually a thing where Rami thinks we have forty five minutes each segment, and then I have to kind of pull the reins yeah. back. I'm and ambitious, say, so so Rami, <laughs> ambitious Rami was like, let's do like ten or twelve names. I was so like, I'd well, say overly, we might want to settle on five. And I want so, to get this correct. And so uh, Rami said, okay, so uh, I'll, I'll send you the five names of the players that I want to talk about mm-hmm. with, with the salaries that John Hollinger has earmarked for them. Right? We all agree yes. on how that conversation yes. went. Yes. Okay. I have no fight back or defense. I've that, already owned it. That, that meeting ended uh-huh. at 1030. Yes. At 1230. If we want to be, you know, technical and specific, at twelve twenty, I put into the chat in bold so it could st- so it could stand oh, out. I didn't even see this. Yeah. Who are the five players we're looking at That's from the me. Hollinger list and his projections? <laughs> That's on me. I was on the exercise bike at that time. And uh, oh th- this God. this went unanswered, folks. Shockingly enough, it's my fault. So, I have the five names right so in front we, of me. Though. So we we go. So to, we could have gone right into it. I've had the five names in front of me since we got I back from people, break. I thought people, but you. I thought, want to get this correct. I thought people, your host under the bus. No, That's what you thought. I, I thought people uh-huh. would enjoy this, and yes. people, I mean, me and Simone uh-huh. and Kyle. Right. So I love it because we go to this ninety second break, and Rami, the epiphany happens, where Rami realizes. Oh, crap. I did not send the names to Kyle because Kyle was supposed to run this segment. So yes. Rami just goes into the talk back and goes, hey, did I ever send those names to you? <laughs> Knowing he didn't. And then Kyle. Before he can even finish his sentence, I'm hitting him with the shaking my head no. Yeah. It's on me. Yeah. I don't know why. So now I'm completely unprepared for this. Why so if my to... answers suck, you don't need to know before. It's, it's better fault. if you don't know before. It's reactionary. All right, let's Authentic. get to a, let's get Thank to you, a, Simone. Let's get to Thank a music you. bed. Authentic like Vanderpump Rules, right, Simone? By yourself, yes. <laughs> completely, <laughs> completely authentic, Off honest, cuff, and transparent. Let's start with number five. Number five on John Hollinger's list on of Hollinger's the top twenty-five uh, free agents with price tags. Oh, and my, the idea is that we're going to buy or sell buy or how much we're at this price. Yes. Yes. Miles Bridges, 25-year-old, power forward, Charlotte. The price tag John Hollinger puts on him, $29,689,570. Ooh, $29 for Mikael Bridges. Yes. Hmm. Again, this isn't the Kings. This is just generally speaking, in or out on these guys at that price tag. I'm in. Really? I'm in. Even with all the off-court stuff. No, that's the wrong Uh, Bridges. No, Miles Bridges. I thought you said Mikael Bridges. 
I said Miles. Did. Did I'm I? out. Yeah. Okay. 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 Miles, Bri- if it's Miles Bridges, I'm out. We're off Dyslexia. to a great Good start. Lord. Miles Bridges. Out. 29 yeah, million was what too. happened off the court. Yeah, out. Too See, much I heard him say that. I was like, which one is he talking about? And then he said Charlotte Hornets. I'm like, okay, That's I know which bad. one he's talking about now. This one blew my mind. Kristaps Porzingis, center. Oh. 27 the, the, years old. The unicorn. Washington. Yes. $39 million, $132,351. Get out of hot here. Getting the vapors. $39 million? No thanks. That's way too much for Christoph's Porzegas, right? That's the thing. He might get more. You have no. to. You have to look at. You have to look at what he's done the last four or five years and not, you know, the the better moments of the and last his contract year. Contract year. Yeah. You know? Yes. I'm out on Christoph. Also out. At number three on John Hollinger's list of top 25 free agents, Fred Van Vliet, point guard, 29, Toronto, player option, at a price tag of $46,873,792. Matt Ishbia in Phoenix might say yes. $46,873,000. Seven hundred and ninety-two dollars. How much? I'm going to ask you this. Yes. How much did LeBron James make this year? Twenty-eight million dollars. I'm no. going to say no. Forty-four million. So Fred Van Vliet is going to out-earn LeBron James. Giannis made forty-two million. I'm out. Mm. I am one hundred percent out. Me too. He's priceless. Yes. I enjoy Fred Van Vliet. I don't enjoy him that much. <laughs> I, I would like for me. And I get it. The market's the market. He might get that. Hollinger was in a front office for years. He knows what he's talking about. I'm not paying more than like $25 million for Fred Van Vliet. Same. Like what? Jalen Brunson. You look at that deal. You want Jalen Brunson's contract with the Knicks is a joke if Van Vliet goes out there and gets 40 plus million. I think we know who the top two free agents are going to be on Hollinger's list. It's the price tag that's associated with them. That's surprising, though. Okay. James Harden, shooting guard, 33, Philadelphia, player option, which he's expected to exercise. At forty-seven million, seventy-five thousand, seven hundred and eighty-three dollars, forty-seven million dollars for James Harden to come and make it rain in your city, in or out. And depending on the city, he could make it rain multiple ways. Yes. Hey, uh, I'm well, out. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> you for- know what? Let's go for it. Really? James Harden is Too going to be thirty-four man. in August. Yeah, and he's thirty-four. It's going to be 34 in August. Nah, man, I'm he, good. He has not consistently been in shape the last few years. He is known to enjoy the nightlife, which is fine to each his own. Good for him. But it has arguably gotten in the way. Seek your happiness, bro. Of his basketball yeah. success. He's been a complete coin flip in the postseason, most of it not going well. Can't do I'm it. out. Can't do it. But how desperate am it. I? On a scale of 1 to 76ers, how desperate am I? <laughs> I, mean, I don't, I'm not that desperate. Not desperate enough to let it cloud my judgment and think that guy's going to come and help me win a championship. He's not. Question number two, am I Tillman Fertitta? Because if the answer is yes, I'm paying him that money. Maybe. You know, it's like uh, one of these things where you look at the player and and you got to look at the player for who he is right now. And James Harden's athleticism is nowhere near what it used to be like four years ago. And he wasn't a great athlete to begin with. He wasn't a great athlete at Arizona State. Sorry to Emil Fragoso. Um, but he just wasn't. And at number one. Number one. Kyrie Irving, point guard, 31. Out. Dallas. Out. Don't, I don't even need to hear the price tag. Out. 
fifty million out five hundred fifty five thousand dude. I, I eight hundred eighty four dollars. His agent walks into the room and puts that number on the table. I get out of that room quicker than Dave Cavill did at the <laughs> Nevada State Legislature. Is he still here? Meeting oh, yesterday. Man. All of those. I run out of that room like my ass is on fire. I'm out. I think all five of those are bad signings at the at that price. Tag. I agree. Zero for five. I'm out on all of them. No, thank you. Wow. Is he still here? Or- Some big numbers, especially with the new CBA yeah. kicking in next offseason. Yeah. I mean, you threw out the 39 million for Porzingis. He's eligible to make 45 million a year. That cannot oh happen. God. I mean, I'm eligible to make five million a year. Really? Maybe even more than that. I mean, who's who's to say what my cap I'm is? I'm eligible to make as much as anybody wants to pay. Stephen me. A. Smith's making twelve million a year. Nick Cattles is getting that mid-level exception. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you sign these guys. Like, this is all I'll say. There are going to be some massive mistakes made this offseason. Yes, with the free agency class, the fact that there's a lot of teams that are going to be desperate. And the CBA, again, that changes next offseason, which is going to, I'll mention it, cripple teams that are in the tax bracket, which is the tax apron. And if you're in the like the extra super-duper uber tax apron like the Clippers and the Warriors, there go your sign-and-trade deal options. There goes your mid-level exception at any level of the mid-level. You know, there goes the idea of trading guys into cap space. There goes the idea of combining players to, to accumulate salary, to bring back one big salary. All of that stuff is taken from you. There's going to be bad mistakes. Be like someone who signs a four like a four year deal for you know forty five million a year, and that team is going to be screwed in three hundred and sixty five days. And it's being leaked out right now that the Wizards are planning a full-scale rebuild in the midst of negotiating Porzingis's contract. Mm. Yep. Good luck with that. You don't want to know why? You can't do it. Can't do it, won't do it. Like, you can't you can't give Porzingis $40 million when you're paying Beal what you're paying him, and you're going to walk into that new CBA. You, just, you cannot – It. Pete, I understand the CBA is a it's an ice cream headache for all of us. I can't do it. I'm trying That's to one of the I'm trying I to break do. it down to the basic form. If you have two You're guys, my brain though. That's the problem. You're if you my brain. if you have two guys who are on like max money or super max money and they're making like 85 to 100 million combined, it is going to be so difficult to build a contending team with that kind of model with the new CBA. Not impossible. Depends on the two players, but it's going to be so difficult. I'll give you an example. The Celtics, two years from now, not now. The Celtics window is two years. Jalen Brown, if he gets a Supermax offer, then Tatum next year gets a Supermax offer. Those guys combined are going to be making like $108 million. It's so ridiculous. They're going to be making like 65 to 70% of the cap. Isn't the argument that the cap is going to go up because they negotiate a new television contract, and so it'll only be like 50%? I've heard that being like the explanation. But the cap goes up and the other deals go up. So you can't go out there and make like a Malcolm Brogdon trade yeah. if you're the Celtics in that spot. Because you've got other guys. You're not it's all like, relative. You've got Rob Williams. You've got Marcus Smart. You've, uh, you've got Grant Williams, who's a restricted free agent this offseason. You look up and you've got like six guys that are making your salary cap. You need nine more players to fill your roster. With all of those things that I mentioned off the table, 
The, the other tricks. Now, there could be other tricks that we don't know about, but it's going to be so, so difficult. It's going to be a difficult puzzle to put together. Callbacks coming up. Cattles. And Rami. Sacktown Sports. The King season might be over, but Sacktown Sports coverage never stops. It's probably one of the best starting points I could have had um, starting in the NBA, um, Sacramento. Stay tuned all off-season to Sacktown Sports and SacktownSports.com for the latest Kings news. Sacktown Sports Headlines. I'm Simone with your Sacktown Sports Headlines. Sacramento Kings prospect Sasha Vinchenkov exited Game 2 of the Greek League Finals with an apparent right knee injury. He was carried off the floor and is receiving medical care, including an MRI, to determine the severity of the injury. Cattles and Rami will keep you posted with updates as we get them. Denver Nuggets clapped back in historic fashion last night for Game 3 of the NBA Finals. Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray became the first duo to post 30-point triple-doubles in the 109-94 win, dousing the Miami Heat amid the palm trees of Kaseya Center last night. Nuggets take the 2-1 series lead. Heat looking to get back in the win column when they host Game 4 of the Finals tomorrow. Back on the left coast, gotta rack up Nevada's special sessions on the A's relocation, highlight the latest alien free agents notes and tap into some Cattles and Rami Thursday funkiness. If you miss anything, rewatch the fun over at Sacktown Sports' very own YouTube page or download us wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I'm Simone. Those are your Sacktown Sports headlines. Kyle, please hit that call back. I'm going to light up these phone lines. The phone is ringing and we are checking to see who's on the line. Long time listener, first time caller. News, gossip, a story... Okay, who's the next victim? It's the callback on Cattles and Rami. All right, earlier today, our friend Emil Fragoso from SacktownSports.com. Check out that website. Tons of uh, great content there and for free. For free. All his coverage of a mandatory minicamp up there. Fantastic stuff. Yes, sir. You've got a mill. You've got a Frankie Cardicelli as well. A lot of things happen. A lot of stuff going on. And uh, a mill was, I guess we could say he was sort of kind of on the Folsom Lake Honda hotline, even though he was in the studio. He was a hotline in the studio. Fine. What is Folsom Lake Honda? It is the uh, your one, one stop, stop Honda, Honda shop. shop. And so uh, a mill was, was on that. And uh, we asked a mill. We were talking Niners, obviously. That's his neck of the woods. Uh, how this "quote unquote" competition between Trey Lance and Sam Darnold is uh, shaken up? It's been a bit fifty-fifty, I would say. It's Sam Darnold's the first, getting the first team reps one day, then it's Trey Lance getting the first team reps the other day. It just really it's a lot of back and forth. It, they they want to give equal opportunity to both guys to present an argument to say, hey, maybe if Brock is not healthy week one. You can be the starter. So they want to they want to see and play it out the whole year. Even Brand Allen's getting some good reps right now, not with the first team, but just still getting some reps and still getting involved there. And so they're trying to create a quarterback room, not just have it be a competition, a room of guys that want to be there for each other and want to see each other get better. And so that's kind of the philosophy they have right now. Are you impressed by the quarterback room they've put together? No. No, not really. Love it. I love direct, <laughs> powerful answers. I have strong faith, opinions. I have faith in Kyle Shanahan and that he can get the most out of that room. But impressed? No. No, no, I'm not. That that that's a big word, Nick. And none of those guys have done a lot to necessarily impress me. Brock Purdy is the most impressive of them, 
And the guy had eight games at the NFL level. That that's that's way too small a sample size for me to, to look at that quarterback room and go, oh, I'm 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 impressed. No, not impressed. Color, I want to get this correct. Color me impressed. No, this is uh, fantastical. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of questions. A lot of questions in that quarterback room. We'll see if uh, it works out. Again, I, I would agree with Rami. You know, Kyle Shanahan has proven that he can get the most out of average quarterback play. So I guess they got that going for them. Uh, but I've said it multiple times over the last few months. It's about winning a title. If you don't win a Super Bowl because you fall just short at the quarterback position, then that was your philosophy falling short. Uh, back to Emil Fragoso. A lot of talk about Brandon Ayuk this offseason and even more talk the last couple of weeks since the guys have been showing up at the facility. Here's Emil on the Ayuk expectations. Brandon Ayuk is a star. I really fully believe that. I, I know there's some bias ASU and stuff, but I watched him play at Arizona State. And I could see the route running and the cutting even there. And it's only gotten better since then. But what was missing for Ayuk, though, was the all-around offensive ability. He hated blocking. Didn't want to block. Didn't want to be a team player. That's why he got benched rookie year. That's not a thing anymore. He's a full team player. He's committed. And what's changed with Ayuk now is that he's a leader. He's out there being more vocal, being more verbal. I mean, every single player said it who talked to the podium, they go, who's the toughest guy to recover? Diamador Lenora said, Brandon Ayuk, no question. His yeah. route running is unmatched. Yep. Debo Samuel said, you can't cover that boy in a phone booth right now. I, I mean, these guys, they love this dude, and all the offseason trade speculation only made him better, it seems. I think Ayuk's going to have a very good season. I think he's a, a really good football player, but I do think some people are getting a little bit ahead of their skis talking about Ayuk because there's a lot of extenuating circumstances that's going to impact this play. You know, quarterback position, talent at that spot. Other guys that are going to be catching the football a lot, like, you know, CMC and Debo and Kittle and Gray, who they drafted last year. He's got to show up. Uh, so there's there's a lot, of, a lot of cats on this team that can make some plays. So, again, I, I really like him as a player. You're going to have to spread the ball around. Just not sure of the opportunity. Keep everybody happy and keep defenses on their toes. That limits how much Brandon Ayuk can do within the system, within the framework of, of what Kyle Shanahan and that offense are trying to do. Let's get to one more. Let's. Emil Fragoso sharing his incredible insight regarding the 49ers. Yes, I'm stalling to get to the third cut. There it is. Uh, How about Christian McCaffrey? Will he be even better? Yeah, he's going to be better. Absolutely, because he was here from the start of OTAs, the start of voluntary workouts at ground zero. He wanted to relearn the playbook and relearn all this stuff. I just wrote in my draft takeaways today the Christian McCaffrey trade was highway robbery. They robbed Carolina at gunpoint. That's how bad it was. You got him for a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth next year. Mm-hmm. That's it? Leave it to give a first for this guy who's just turned 27 years old in his prime? I mean, it's more than just his play on the field. It's how he prepares himself, how he prepares his body, his workout routine. He runs like a sprinter, mm-hmm. like an Olympic sprinter. There was a play at practice yesterday. They just doing 11 on 11. It's a handoff. McCaffrey got held, and the ref didn't see it. McCaffrey furiously goes over to the, the referee and chews him out for 20 seconds. This is practice. <laughs> Love this it. is OTAs. This Love is it. a mandatory mini camp. Trent, Trent Williams had to pull him back. This is just the way this guy is wired. It's just if, if you know Christian, you know he's just a different cat. He's a different animal, and that's what makes Christian so awesome. He's a, he's a tone setter and a leader. CMC is really good, to state the obvious. 
Uh, but I would uh, vehemently disagree with Emil's point that uh, they robbed the Panthers at gunpoint for what they paid for CMC. No, they didn't. As great as CMC is, he's a running back. I don't know if I'd term it a robbery, but that that that's looking like a really good deal. Especially they paid when a you lot. Consider it's twenty seven years old. They paid a lot. Yes. Um, I would not term it that way. I would not say that they stole him. That's strong language. That is strong language. They got a mortgage on Christian McCaffrey. You say strong or moderately strong? Pretty strong. Moderately strong. Moderately strong. Yeah. Seems like it fits. Not as strong as the you people you've thrown around a couple times this week already. But you know what this is? You know, I know what that is. That is the response to me throwing you under the bus last segment about how you failed the show. And you were waiting. It was in the back pocket. You found your opening, and you landed the punch. Are you proud of yourself? So proud. <laughs> you have no idea, man. could not be any more proud than I am right now. So happy with me. Oh, man. <laughs> if you really bust one out tomorrow, one of those you people, I mean, I'm going to lose it back here. You all know what I'm saying. You're the worst. <laughs> oh, I definitely know what you're saying. You... Yeah. You got to twist it. You. (laughs) You what? You what, Nick? You. (laughs) Damn you. Mm. All right. Just how many non-human spacecraft (laughs) does the United States have? Find out next. One brings Makloff magic, while the other... Hmm, we're still trying to figure that out. Paddles and Rami. Sacktown Sports. All right, let's get back to the aliens. A lot of alien talk this week. Have to. Deserved. It's our due diligence. Deserve our it. duty to you, the listener. It is. It is. Earlier in the show, we told you that uh, two younger men in Vegas mm-hmm. claimed that they saw eight foot, nine foot, ten foot beings in their backyard with big, shiny eyes and a big mouth. And uh, at about the same time, the young males called 911 to report this. A little bit before that, there is a cop cam. That shows some kind of object falling from the sky. Mm-hmm. Shooting star. Asteroid. Asteroid. Um, I'd say Haley's Comet, but that's like once every 75 years. So that doesn't quite fit. But maybe, just maybe, an alien aircraft. Maybe. Who's to say? So that was interesting. That was uh, something that was pretty unexpected when I woke up this morning seeing that story right after the uh, whistleblower, David Grush, has come out earlier this week on the record saying that uh, we have, the United States has, non-human aircraft, however he termed it, it's pretty much what he meant, uh, in their possession. And then we had... The audio from Grush, I think it was yesterday, saying that there was, what what was the term he used? A number of? A number of, yes. There are a number of aircraft 
And there are a number of also aliens that we have found. But we want to talk about the spacecraft because we were wondering how many of these things we have. Because he said, yeah, when he said a number of, I was like, man, what are we talking about here? So Michael Schellenberger, who is the author of Apocalypse Never and many other things, he had a long, 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 long Twitter thread. I did not read all of it. I read some of it. Here's what he wrote in part. While David Grush has not shared written evidence in an unclassified way, he did provide classified intelligence reports, emails, and other documents to Thomas A. Monheim, the intelligence community inspector general, as the law allows. So he shared it with the inspector general, and he's gone under oath, and he said what he has said. As for photographs, and this gets to the heart of Rami's issue earlier in the week, photographs, videos, Rami wanted photographs. He wanted videos of these downed aircraft. Clear and visual evidence, of yes. Of these, these dead aliens that exactly. we found. Something. Something clear. Something that's not just this blurry light in the sky. Well, here's the problem. The Defense Department prohibited Grush from sharing pictures. He's sharing everything else. They prohibit him from sharing the photographs. Apparently he does. He said he did have some kind of visual evidence, but the Defense Department shut him down. So that's that's going a little bit too far. So my guess is the Defense Department wasn't going to prohibit him from saying things because it's his word, right? Even if it's under oath, like, he can't necessarily prove it. He might be a very impressive uh, witness, but he's not necessarily the end-all, be-all. If he comes out there with photos or video, then it's done. And there's also a confidential matter, I'm sure, about, you know, the nature of the pictures, where they were taken, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So the Defense Department shut that down, to answer your question from earlier in the week. Uh, also from Schellenberg, he says, and now multiple sources close to the matter have come forward to tell the public that Grusha's core claims are accurate. The individuals are all either high-ranking intelligence officials, former intelligence officials, or individuals who we could verify were involved in U.S. government UAP efforts for three or more decades each. So we're talking people that have been dealing with this stuff for more than 30 years have come forward, and they have corroborated what Grush has said. Two of those people have testified, including as recently as last year, to Congress. This is getting heavy. Now, as far as... The spacecrafts, Rami. Yes. And how many? Yes. The individuals that I just described to you with all of this experience and all of this legitimacy and credibility, the individuals said they had seen or been presented with, quote, unquote, credible and verifiable, unquote, evidence that the U.S. government and U.S. military contractors possess at least 12 or more Alien spacecraft. Honestly, I thought the number would be bigger. <laughs> You're never happy. You're never impressed. <laughs> I, really, I really did. Until an alien lands in our parking lot here and walks into the studio and Rami's able to interview said alien, he ain't going to be impressed. No, I thought the number would be bigger. That That's all. That tells me, Nick, that this is a somewhat uh, more recent phenomenon. That uh, if if we've been visited... And we do indeed have these spacecraft, and this man is being truthful 
in in the leaks that he's putting out there, that would indicate to me that this is a relatively new phenomena of of being visited by aircrafts of non-human origin. It's either that or the aliens are really good at what they do. Or they're really good at what they do because if if they've been visiting for a long time and the U.S. You use if, so you're still not believing. If they've, I, I, I. What would, let me ask you this. Because I'm a shoe-in for hate of the year. No, I'm entirely open to the possibility right. that they well, exist and, and have visited. What would what would totally sell you? Clear and clear, concise visual evidence. So if somebody just showed up with a picture, you'd believe the picture. You wouldn't believe it was doctored in any way. No, I mean a picture that was also corroborated by other witnesses. You know what? Like an event. You know, there has to be something yeah. where a lot of people see it and it's caught. On camera in some way, shape, or form. Because I have a feeling that you're setting yourself up to be disappointed. Because I don't know if we're ever because going we'll to never get, a, get that. Well, that's okay. Well, the clear photo or video also to go along with like corroboration from people that were there. Because I don't know how many people were there. As I said before, unless these things are 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 finding the middle of nowhere for every crash landing or the middle of the ocean. There's got to be people who are seeing these things go down and hit the ground. So you're not there's impressed just, with 12 or more There's aircraft. just got to be. No, it's not that I'm not impressed. I'm just trying to put the put the pieces together. Yeah, and to, literally and figuratively. And to me, that this, this indicates that if indeed this is true and we've been visited, that it's a relatively recent phenomena because our government policy would have always been to hide these aircrafts and, and, and the fact that these aircrafts exist from the public. So if this has been happening for a long time... I would think that by now we have more than a dozen. Well, the people who have commented on this and have come forward, again, they've been doing this kind of thing for three decades. So the department has actually, you know, has been around for at least 30 years. Doesn't mean that there was any kind of, you know, evidence or something that you you could act upon until maybe like you're saying recently. Mm -hmm. But you go back at least 30 years where people thought this could be a thing, right? This could be a thing. This is 1993, at least. Mm. And we know, you know, Area 51, all that stuff. that has been around for a while. So, uh, I don't know, a dozen, a dozen aircraft? I mean, I just kind of think of it like if you walked into the facility where they have these things, if they have these things. That's a vast amount of space. Like, these aircraft have to be oh, pretty it's an big, airplane right? hangar. Yeah, you're talking about an airplane Which is hangar. the other question about the Vegas story. Which Vegas story? The, about the about oh, the, the, police, the, the yeah. okay yes, you got to imagine that the aircraft that fell to the earth was really really large. Would you not go to the neighbor's house and be like, "Hey, did you see this? Did you see this or yeah. hear anything crash into the backyard?" Yeah, and how big is their backyard? You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, if the alien was 18 inches, like we talked about yesterday, could fly and it was the, a yeah. tiny aircraft, could very much fly under yes. the radar. So to speak. But these guys, their eyewitness account said that eight, eight feet, to, nine eight feet, to ten, ten feet, feet tall. tall. Right. That's a good point. What is the probability that the spacecraft is only in the backyard of the people? Like, wouldn't it go through multiple yards? Maybe hit a fence or something. Didn't hit a house. Didn't hit a fence. Didn't hit multiple yards. Just neatly snuck into this space where this person. I'm highly, saw. highly skeptical whenever civilians, so to speak, report these sightings and encounters. Um, I'm more apt to believe it when it's, you know, government official whistleblower. I agree. I agree. Uh, and maybe we do have our first visual evidence of, a, of an alien on this planet. Victor Wembenyama? Because there is a TikTok story that surfaced of a three-day-old baby 
who was lifting, I believe it's a her, we'll just, uh, let's just say there, was lifting their head, crawling and talking, three days old. I saw this. I didn't talk until I was like three. What is, wh- what is normal? <laughs> then I never shut up. As far as lifting the head and crawling. And oh, that takes a while. And the the baby blabber. You know what I mean? Talking like could be like that. more helpful. Talking could. <laughs> talking I can feel uh, you guys kind of looking towards me for that answer, and I don't got it. I would estimate a couple of months, uh, right? Talking talking is usually like, I think, like around a year or so. Yes. Uh, and- I just I just uh, Googled this, and Pampers.com tells me that uh, many babies learn to crawl sometime between seven and ten months. There you go. Good Lord. And this baby was crawling. On day three, was this baby like overdue? Was it was it cooking up a little longer than babies usually? <laughs> they, they, you know what I mean? <laughs> they did not give us the details. Like, was it born a year old? What are we talking about here? It really uh, wasn't that. How does that happen? They did not give us the details, unfortunately. If you're a parent and your three day old baby is lifting its head and crawling and talking, are you proud or are you freaked out? No, I'm a little I'm freaked. Proud. I'm a little freaked out. I'm proud. And we're going to gymnastics. <laughs> Kid's going to be an Olympic athlete yes. at 11 years old. Yeah. That's, right. that's freaky, man. But congrats to the parents. And I hope that baby does well in life. Thanks to, uh, to the world. That may or may not include aliens. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to uh, Simone. Great job. Appreciate you, Rami. Good stuff. Thank you, sir. Everybody be well and good and safe tonight. Enjoy yourself. We're back uh, tomorrow for a Friday. I'm sure it'll be. Uh, oh, it's going to be a fun one. Sure, it'll be an experience. <laughs> Cattles and Rami, Sacktown Sports. See I want to get this correct. You've all called us in here for a special session and are asking minimally for the state to give you all $36 million per year for the next five years for a taxpayer-funded stadium at the same time that the governor has vetoed funding for summer school, a bill to support children's mental health, a bill requiring paid family leave, all because the governor said we couldn't afford them. Can you explain to me why we need to provide hundreds of millions of dollars for a billionaire, billionaire team to come to the Las Vegas Strip on some of the most valuable property in the world if we can't provide funding for critical resources like summer school and health care? Uh, Steve Hill. The fact that you are capable of this unbelievable. You're a dementor. I know you like Harry Potter.